Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stephen Jarvis Reviews Podcast. Today, I am talking about another classic film, another classic horror film, of course, Friday the 13th, the story about a woman who is driven to impeccable lengths to murder these camp counselors who she feels is responsible for the death of her son, Jason Voorhees, which we don't find out and or who we don't even see until Friday the 13th part two. But, you know, it's really a sh- easy premise to follow. Mother wants revenge for them, for who she believes in her twisted mind that is responsible for her son's murder or drowning. And I always thought that was kind of funny in the way that it was, it was something that parents who have lost a child or anyone that's lost a loved one could probably identify with, you know, it's not about, Oh, well, did they have PTSD? Did they have this? Did they have that? You know, and I, I'm not making fun of light of that or anything like that. It's just nowadays everyone's got to look into that. They can't just see a movie for what it is. They can't make movies for what they are back like they did back then. Characters are very uh, simple. Pretty much most of your teenagers, early adult, or, you know, adults back in the 80s, drink, smoke pot, have sex. Basically, that's what most of the characters are, except for Alice. Alice is a character that doesn't involve herself in stuff like that, that we know of. Um, she later does smoke pot and drink in, an ep- in the one part of the film where they're playing strip Monopoly, which I think is funny. How? Why would you turn Monopoly into something like that? Um <laughs> and then you have the character of Jack, who's played by Kevin Bacon, one of the greatest actors of our time. He is your typical male back in the day where, you know, probably thinks all he thinks about is getting laid, drinking and, you know, smoking pot or whatever. You have the infamous Pamela Voorhees, the mother of Jason Voorhees, the central killer of this movie. You have many more. Uh, characters that are a product of the movie. The budget is pretty much one of those budgets where back in the day, they didn't get really a lot of money. And their budget was actually only 550000 And there was also a bidding war by Paramount Pictures who required the distribution uh, filming rights domestic and Warner Brothers who secured the European distribution rights it became a major box office success grossing over 59.8 million worldwide it was divided by the critics of course because you know critics back in the day some of them liked it and other people were kind of just like oh my god you know this is 
horrible. We shouldn't be, our children shouldn't be watching this. You know, we're all going to hell type thing. (laughs) Which, you know, I I always got a kick out of that. I mean, in all reality, it's a movie. You know, yes, there has been things where people have copied movies and doing dastardly things. But, you know, them, them people, you know, they have, you know, problems in their life that, you know, doesn't help them, you know, it, it, it's a messed up world. We'll go with that. Um, it actually is the first independent film that got major, um, to, uh, secure distribution in the United States by a major studio with Paramount acquiring the film for domestic distribution and Warner brothers for European distribution rights. You know, not many films of that era were able to do that. I mean, Halloween was pretty much, you know, not by a major company like Warner Brothers or Paramount Pictures or 21 Century, 21st Century Fox. Um, but all in all, this movie is a total, total ripoff of Halloween. I mean, you know, the story is different, but you got the killer that's stalking people and Halloween. You had the babysitters and this one, you have camp counselors and it's funny in that point because you can't really, (laughs) you, you go into this movie and you're kind of just like, okay, it's a cash grab, but it actually was a very good movie for its time. Nowadays, people are like, oh, you know, I like the remake or I like the other movies. And that that's what I love about this franchise and this movie in particular is, you know, you, you get it, it. It it sets up for the other ones, for the sequels and all that. It had a great comic book following, had a, you know, book written about it. Granted, it's not your all-time favorite if you're a Jason fan, because let's be honest, Jason isn't in it. It's Mrs. Voorhees. And a little bit of trivia for you. Drew Barrymore's character in Scream was actually wrong. Mrs. Voorhees was a killer in part one. (laughs) I know, I tried that humor and I failed. But, you know, what I truly liked about it was its simplicity which is very, at that point, you didn't need to know if the mother was facing PTSD or what her political affiliation was. No one cared about that crap back then. Nowadays, that's all you hear about is, oh, well, we got to make a film about this person's plight or this thing or this thing or, you know, this person stubbed their toe and got PTSD from it. And, And like I said before, I'm not making light of any of that. It's just people honestly don't know what makes a good movie anymore. They don't. They rehash the same stuff like Halloween 2018. You know, it's the same stuff we've seen in that franchise before. But they just added 2018 and made it the 40th anniversary edition of it. You know, Um, the remake of Friday the 13th didn't do that. And that's why I like the remake of Friday the 13th opposed to a lot of other remakes of old classic horror movies because 
they get so caught up in that whole who, what, where, when, and how thing. They don't just say, okay, we have the formula that worked back then. How about let's modernize it so that the people of today get it? You know, and it's kind of funny because, you know, you uh, you look back at all this and you say to yourself, hey, you know, why did these movies make so much money back then? Why were they so successful? Just look at it. I mean, it's down to earth filming at its finest. I mean, Jaws was the same way. Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, Last House on the Left, which Sean Cunningham worked on before this movie. Um, I will probably do a podcast on that movie one day, I'm hoping. Hopefully you guys like this podcast. I I know it's kind of weird with the way I, you know, do it and all that. Um, another thing I liked was that it didn't feel oversaturated with, you know, the issues of that time. I mean, it wasn't saturated with the whole drug culture, the drinking culture or anything like that. It was just a bunch of people that were probably, you know, from New York or, you know, from... Somewhere where it's not as, you know, not thriving, I would say, but like stuff like this happens. It's pretty much a shelter type lifestyle for a lot of these people in this. I mean, you look at Alice, she wants to leave in the beginning of the movie. You know, she doesn't want to be there. She, you know, tells Steve Christie that, hey, you know, there's something I got to deal with back home. (laughs) Um, and you know now to what I dislike I what I really disliked about the film was that let's be honest with ourselves it it was to someone looked at Halloween and said you know what if I could find the right person this could make a killing or it just makes killing money wise and it sucks you know that's all they thought about after Halloween came out I mean prom night you know all those slashers that came after halloween that's what they thought about but a lot of them had people that knew what they were doing and could sit back and say hey you know i know my vision for this movie i want to make a good movie i don't want to just make a cash grab like the burning or sleepaway camp or god there are so many of them (laughs) And, you know, I've said this on previous episode of my Stephen Jarvis reviews when I did reviewed Halloween. You look at films before Halloween and Friday the 13th and you see drive-in movies. I mean, Black Christmas, the original one in 1974. Same thing. You know, you don't see the killer until much later. You don't even know who the killer is until much later in the film. Um, When a stranger calls, you know, it was pretty much easy to identify what these... They were all following a formula. Granted, Halloween changed the formula and then 
more horror movies became more and more popular, there's a lot of them out there that didn't. But, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, movie making back in the day was so much simpler than it is now because one, you have a, you had a much shorter budget back then. Nowadays you have millions or billions of dollars. I mean, look at transformers and all that, you know, and they put all this money into paying the actors, paying, you know, all these big effects peoples, which is kind of funny if you think about it, because Tom Savini did this movie's effects. And it's kind of funny because, you know, he was able to um, show and make what Jason looked like. And (laughs) it's kind of funny because if you really think about it, he is the modern horror master at uh, special effects back in that day. I mean, he did Dawn of the Dead, Friday 13th. I think he even did Friday 13th Part 4, the supposed final chapter. He did Maniac. He did all these really good movies um, even directed the night living dead in color remake in the nineties. Um, you know, and I guess the one major thing that I really truly didn't like about this movie, other than it being a cash grab that worked was that, you know, so many people nowadays, it's like, oh, if you don't like Friday 13th, then, you know, boo-hoo on you, you know. Same thing with some fans with Halloween, you know, you got to have your little contest, who's a better killer, you know. And in my previous episode, I thought for the time when it's just straight up thriller, I think it was Michael Myers. Now, in slasher terms, I definitely... 100% will say it's Jason. I mean, Jason, when he came around in part two, it was more gore, more graphic, better kills. And that went through the whole franchise, you know, with Jason being very... (sighs) I don't know how you'd say it, but he was very... um, God, what would the word be? He was very creative with his kills. And, you know, we'll we'll t- discuss that more in Friday the 13th Part 2 and in other movies that we talk about and, and in a special version of Friday the 13th where I just talk about Jason, you know, the whole time, which hopefully won't bumble that up. But you know what, guys? I think that's it for today. I am sorry if this sounded like a big mess. But, you know, I hope you guys liked it. Please follow me. Um, You can go on my Twitter at Stephen Jarvis. You can email me for anything that you want to hear about. If you want me to talk about a topic that you want me to talk about. I don't just review horror films. I review music. I'll review video games, TV shows, you know. And this is based just on my own opinion. It's I'm not trying to change anyone's 
you know, thoughts or feelings on what I review. It's just something I'm doing, you know. Um, so I hope you guys like it. You know, subscribe to this show. Show me that, you know, you like what I'm doing. Y- you can always message me at stevenjarvis10 at gmail.com for see if I'm doing any good better than anything. But um, I think that'll be it today. Thank you, guys. And I hope that you liked my Friday the 13th edition. Um, if you didn't, I'm sorry. I'm just starting out. So it's it's going to be kind of nerve wracking for a little bit. Also, um, if you guys want to know more about Friday the 13th, head over to Slash and Cast on YouTube. They know everything. I swear they know everything about it. And also go check out my friends at We Watched a Movie on YouTube. They are very, very good. All right. Thank you so very much.